Lang Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. All right. Hello, everyone. Happy Saturday. How are you guys doing? I'd like to welcome you to our uh, home church here in Festival Mall. How many of you are glad that you are here today in, uh, you know, worshiping physically here? Can you just give the Lord a hand? Wow. I feel so much energy here, no? And for those of you who are joining us uh, from your own homes, uh, thank you so much also for joining us online, whether you're from uh, YouTube or TikTok. TikTok, uh, Facebook or IGTV. All right. Um, you know, today we are actually starting a brand new series entitled Salt and Light. And, uh, you know, we are so grateful for the fact that, you know, we're starting to gather slowly here in the mall. Uh, how many of you know that, yes, COVID is real, but our God is more real than COVID. Um, you know, we don't want to be irresponsible. We want to be wise, but at the same time, we don't want to move in fear. And I appreciate that prayer of Pastor Carl earlier, that we need to take care of ourselves. As long as you are doing uh, the proper health protocol, I am actually about, how many feet is this? 25 feet away from me? No, no, this. uh a lot, you know, just, yes, uh, yeah, it's a wide distance and definitely we are, you know, responsible. But yet, we also are distanced from one another and the people here uh, meeting on site are actually wearing the whole time uh, face masks and face shield. Today happens to be the first anniversary of us closing down all our locations. And so, um, yeah, that was the moment last year, March 15, I think, 2020 was the, the, you know, the date that we decided to close down because of the spread of the virus. But how many of you know that slowly we are going back? And um, there's just a lot of things that are happening. But I believe also that as, as God has called us to be salt and light, that we are to move out and to really let our light shine to the world. Okay, so uh, observe proper health protocol, whether you're here or you're actually at home. Uh, we hope to see you here soon, okay? You know, last week as I walked into the mall, um, I had my face mask on. Of course, I had to remove my face mask while preaching. I had my face mask on and I had my face shield. I was walking in the mall in Alabang Town Center and a young lady actually approached me and said, Hey, Pastor Ariel. I said, how can she recognize me? With all this paraphernalia, almost like wearing my PP already. But yet she kind of recognized, maybe it's the way I walk, the way I, I don't know, it's the way I move, or maybe my groove, something like that. You know, I don't know how, how she would recognize you with a mask on. And as I was, you know, focusing my eyes on her, I, I kind of recognized her as well. I knew she was like a ballerina in her stance, and she was like petite, and I, I knew for a fact that she's probably Lauren, okay? And so I said, oh, hi, nice to meet you, and so... Because there's so much grace in her stride. And so, uh, you know, one of the features that we have, I didn't have my iPhone here. But one of the features of our phone right now is your face recognition feature, right? So if you have that feature on your phone, and if you turn it on, when you are facing the phone, how many of you know that that phone will automatically open to its apps? How many of you have that feature? How many of you wish you had that feature? Lord, and so, like, like this particular iPad that I'm holding, it just turned on because it recognized my face. And this new series that we're talking about, we'll talk about a Christian's most recognizable feature. 
that somehow when the world would look at a Christian, what are some of the marks or distinctives or distinguishing marks that will actually say, ah, that's a believer or that's a Christian. How many of you hope that when people see you in your office or maybe in your neighborhood or maybe even among your household, that they recognize that you are actually a believer? You know, I kind of recognize some of you here. I recognize Pastor Carlo, of course, by the shape of his nice head. I recognize Pastor Bodhi, okay, because of his tall features. I recognize Cap Allen, somewhere there, okay? Suki natin si Cap every Sunday, and dito si Cap, no? Bigyan ng jacket yan. But I kind of recognize, you know, there are some people here, Rick Rick, I recognize Rick Rick because of your stature. And so there are some distinguishing marks that we actually have that will help the world recognize us. And I'm not just talking about us going to church or raising up your hand or holding a Bible. I'm really talking about us being salt and light. What does it mean for us to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world? And we see this in Matthew chapter 5. That's not going to be our text today, but we're going to refer to that later on. Uh, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And then he expounded on it because before that, he was talking about the Beatitudes, that these are the marks of a citizen of the kingdom. But now that you're still here on earth, what are you supposed to do? And you know, there's no shortage of issues dividing our country and even the church in general. So I have like a short list. You can actually add on to this list. And these are some of the things or the issues that we are facing right now as a nation and as a, you know, as a church. You know, you have politics. You've got differences in religion. You've got COVID vaccines. You know, how many of you are going to have your COVID vaccine? How many of you are going to have a jab? Excited to have a jab? Uh, and, you know, the issue is which vaccine and when do we get it? Climate change, drug abuse, you know, LGBTQ issues, corruption, healthcare. I mean, you can add on to the list uh, extrajudicial killings, racial inequality, uh, human trafficking, um, income disparity, press freedom, red tagging, and so on and so forth. My question for us today is, as Christians and as a church, should we be involved in every issue that there is in society. And I'm not just talking about social issues. I'm, just, I'm talking about social justice issues. And what are we to do as believers? And hopefully we can actually be clarified. You know, as uh, you have heard, we're going to be going through the book of Isaiah in this next six weeks as we, you know, talk about the, the, the issue of being assault and light. But yet this is not really yet the Isaiah series. And, uh, you know, this whole year the pastors and the bishop's council and the executive team of uh, Victory in Every Nation uh, have prayed and sought the Lord and we felt like we will study together, everybody say together, we will study the book of Isaiah for the entire year. Now, how many of you, you know, can get overwhelmed? Wow, prophetic book. It's a major prophet. Wow, there's just so many imagery in the book of Isaiah. In the, in the same way that last year we talked about romance, uh, for I think for about 22 weeks, we're going to be looking at Isaiah for I think for about maybe 22, 23 weeks. But this is not yet the official 
uh, series, this is like a prelude, but we're going to be using Isaiah as the text. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and open to the Old Testament uh, right after, you know, of course, Psalm, it's going to be the middle of your Bible. Turn right, okay? And we're going to be reading from the book of Isaiah, beginning in Isaiah chapter 1. And we'll be re- reading from uh, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 16 to verse 20. I'd like to invite everybody to stand with me as we give reverence to God's word today. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 16 to verse 20. Okay? So if you are there, say, I. Okay. I feel like most of us are there already. Galing, ano? Kasi digital Bible, ano? Bilis maghanap. Okay, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 16 to verse 20. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil from your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Verse 18, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow, though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Can we read that verse together? Verse 19. Ready? One, two, three. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Verse 20. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Let's bow our and pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the opportunity once again to study your word. And even as a community, as a church, as a family of believers, I pray that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for being our guide today. Show us all truth from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. All right. I believe that all of us are probably familiar with the book of Isaiah. Um, one of the most popular verse that we normally use is Isaiah 9-6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. You use this during Christmas. And yet, there's a lot of things that we can actually mine from this particular book. Which is a very, for me, one of the most important books in the, not just in the Old Testament, but in the whole Bible. Because of the prophetic, uh, you know, um, the prophetic, thing that was that's present there when Isaiah spoke about the birth of Christ seven or eight hundred years even before the actual thing had happened. And we're going to be studying that later on. But as I said earlier, we're going to be looking and following, for those of you watching at home, uh, we're going to be going through this book for the next six weeks in the series. We will actually take a longer book study. And, uh, you know, Isaiah and the Bible are kind of similar in terms of parts. The Bible has 66 books. Isaiah has 66 chapters. And there are two parts of the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And Isaiah have, uh, like has uh, two sections. The first section, which is the first 39 chapters, deal with the current state of Israel, uh, you know, being a desolate city, and somehow the coming of the Lord. And the second part is the future uh, restoration of the kingdom of God. And so that gives us a picture similar to the Bible, the Old Test Covenant and then the New Covenant. Okay, so uh, this particular Bible narrative 
as I said, it's 66 chapters. It talks about the relationship of God towards His people. And He wants to seek after His people who actually have been rebellious. Now, the story of Isaiah, actually, it spans about, you know, we're going to talk about this more when we deal with the Isaiah series. But the context is that they are a backslidden nation, the nation of Judah. They had an evil king. And one of the things that we probably are familiar with is the calling of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 when King Uzziah died. And so we're going to be looking at that. What we will see is that God is looking for a people. And how many of you are God's people? Please raise your hand. You are a people of God. You are believers. You're the family of God. He's looking for a people who, does not only know, who do not only know Him, but who will be like Him. Who will have the same heart and the same passion and the same you know, uh, thing that will stir his heart and be grieved with the things that grieve the heart of God. And not just be people that are passive, not just are people that are religious. How many of you know that there's an acceptable religion before the Lord? And so religion in itself is not bad, but yet when religion takes over the relationship that we have with God, there's something wrong with that. And so... The context of Isaiah chapter 1 is Judah rebelled against the Lord. And so we see that Isaiah is calling the people of God to come back to him. Parang sa Tagalog, come back you, come back you. So he's calling them to repentance. He's calling them to return from their wicked ways. And, you know, how many of us have actually been, from the time that you have been a Christian or a believer, have been faithful to the Lord every single day that you can remember? You have not disobeyed God, you have always been faithful 24-7. Please raise your hand right now. Wala. Ako din, hindi ako nag-raise ng hand, no? Because there, were, there are times that we have been faithless before the Lord. But how many of you know that God always remains faithful to us? Even when we are faithless, even when we have been disobedient, even when we backslide, God's always constantly pursuing us as a people. And this is the story of Isaiah. He's in a hot pursuit of Judah. He's called out once. In fact, this is kind of like a, you know, if you've watched maybe the TV series Suits, something like that. It is kind of like a court case. A criminal case in God's courtroom. And God is presenting a case against his people and the witnesses are the heavens and the earth. And what he's saying is, you know, if you go to the few verses in verse 2 of Isaiah chapter 1, don't worry, we, 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 will, not just, we will not deep dive. I just, I'm just going to uh, go through it quickly. In verse 2 it says, Hear, O heavens, and give, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. The children I have reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The first few verses of this wonderful book is about the rebellion of his people. What a setting. And that's the scenario somehow of this first chapter. It's kind of like a criminal case. And God is giving them though a promise that if they return to the Lord, they're going to find restoration and peace again. Amen. And how many of you are thankful and grateful that God does not destroy us even if sometimes we have been rebellious? But we serve a God of second chances. Amen. We serve a God who's faithful. We serve a God who's always giving out a provision so that we can actually come back to Him. 
and be cleansed again from our sins. You know, the nation of Judah has committed some grave sins before the Lord. God's not going to give up on them. Forgiveness and renewal is always being offered to those who will be willing, who would be humble, who would be obedient, and God's giving it to them. You know, talking about this series, um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to 16, talks about us being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And let me just read that, no? Uh, in Matthew chapter 5, it says, You are the salt of the earth. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, You are the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how can it be made salty again? Or how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown uh, and trampled upon people's feet. And then he went on and described the second analogy or picture, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine. Everybody say, let your light shine. Let your light shine before others. In fact, there's another translation that says, let your light so shine. There's an emphasis or emphasis on the so much. Let your light so shine before men so that your heavenly Father, can, they can see their good deeds and they can give glory to God, your heavenly Father. You know, we are to set, we are to be salt and light. We are, you know, as a salt, you know, we, we have heard of this preaching that as salt, how many of you like salt on your food? You don't like it bland, you know. Some people really love salt. Even before they taste the food, they put the salt there already. You know, ingat lang sa mga kidney, okay? And so, we, we like salt because salt improves the taste of food. In fact, back in the day, salt is so precious that it is considered one commodity that you can actually use for paying or for bartering. A Roman soldier would sometimes receive a salt, a bag of salt as payment for his weekly wages. I mean, that's how valuable salt was during that day. Okay, but now, of course, we know it's salt is just ordinary. But during the day when Jesus was saying, you are the salt of the earth. You're valuable. Why? Because you preserve things. You make things taste better. And as a church, I believe that God is calling us, wherever we go, we ought to make that environment taste better. Are you getting it? In your office, in your family, for example, what if you're the only one who's a believer in your own home? But since you are the salt of the earth in that family, guess what? They should look at you and sense that, wow, this family tastes better because you are here, part of our own home. Will your family members actually say that to you because you're a Christian, because you are actually a salt? Or you're actually always assaulting them? Or you're the ones persecuting them and they're not the ones persecuting you. But we are the salt of the earth. Assault preserves. Back in the day, they don't have refrigerants and what they do is they actually put salt, uh, you know, on meat or fish so that they will actually last several days even before they consume them. And then he calls us 
the light of the world. What does light do? Light dispels darkness. That's one. But actually, light also reveals the truth. How many of you know that, for example, if you wake up early in the morning, it's still dark, and uh, you go to the bathroom, and you face the mirror, and before flicking the lights, you feel like you are really beautiful. And then you flick on the lights. Wow! The reality bites. Because the light reveals the truth. Until you put on makeup for the ladies, right? The moment you wake up, then you put on your makeup or whatever. You know, when we have a messy room, you don't see the mess in your room until you flick on the light switch. I mean, you can hide everything under the sofa. You can hide everything under the rug. But when you turn on the light, suddenly the imperfection appears and the reality and the truth is being revealed. Guess what? We are the light of the world. And as we go inside any environment, I believe that God wants us to shine forth. And guess what? As, as the light of the world, who is the original light of the world? Jesus is the light of the world. Amen. In fact, Jesus is kind of like the sun because the sun, I mean, if you're, you know, if you're into science, I just remember this in science, okay? Uh, if you, the sun is a source of light. And it's the true source of light. And the moon does not have any light at all. How many of you know that we are just like the moon? And what we do is we reflect the light from the sun, S-U-N, or the sun, S-O-N. And wherever we are, guess what? Even at night, when it's full moon, then you can actually see everything because of the light that is emitted by the moon. And there's only one thing that would actually dim the light of the moon when there's an eclipse. When, there, when the world or the earth is in between the sun and the moon. Guess what? The only thing that can diminish our light is when the world is in between the sun and us. You and I are the light of the world. Now, how do we become salt and light? And we're going to be just going, going through this very quickly. Number one, we must walk differently as the world does. Everybody say differently. You know, God called us to be a unique people, a peculiar people. Unique, different, peculiar, but not weird. Look at the person beside you and tell the person, you're not weird. Sometimes lang, okay? God calls us to be different. God calls us to be unique. God calls us to be peculiar from the world. We are not to live like the world. We're not to act like the world. We're not to be like the world. We're not to like what the world likes. We live in the world, yet we are not of the world. This is where Isaiah is coming from. And he was reminding the people of God, guess what? You've rebelled. You've rejected God. Go back to him. In verse 16, it's a good reminder for us. Wash yourselves. Wash your hands. Anti-COVID yon. Wash your hands. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil from your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. You know, as believers, we have been made righteous and holy. How many of you are righteous and holy? Because, not because of your acts, but because of Jesus. Can you please raise your hand? And for those of you watching from the house, from your homes, 
you know, you have been made righteous because, not because of what you are doing, not because of what you have done, whether you gave in the offering or whether you read your Bible this morning or whether you prayed. We were not made righteous because, you know, of what we do. We were made righteous because of the blood. And we know that. But yet, the people of God have rebelled and they chose to, you know, turn their backs away from God. And God is telling them, come back. Make yourselves clean. The reality is you have been set apart for God's purpose. And God wants to use each and every one of us to be salt and light. But guess what? If you have been polluted by the world, how can God use us? The church is made to remove corruption and not to be the one corrupted. Sad to say, you know, they are saying that the world is becoming too churchy because, you know, we see this sometimes even in, you know, uh, awards, um, uh, whatever, uh, shows or events. They actually would actually acknowledge, you know, I want to give, uh, I want to thank the man upstairs. And that's the world. They don't know Jesus, but they're referring to him as the man upstairs. And then you look upstairs, what's upstairs? They're referring to him. The world is becoming churchy. But I hope that the church is not becoming worldly. And we ought to live the life. I know that this is hard preaching. We ought to live the life that God has called us to live. Be clean. Be holy. You're different from the world. Don't act like them. But engage with them. Be a lamb among wolves. Be Christ-like in the way you deal with people. Consider others better than yourself. We talked about this in the book of Philippians. I mean, we are to live the Christ, that, the life that Christ lived. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 15, it says that you may be blameless and innocent, if we can all read this. Children of God without blemish in the midst of what? A crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Even if we're living in a very crooked and wicked and twisted Generation. How many of you know that we are indeed living in a twisted generation nowadays? People are confused. People are confused about a lot of things. The basic things of life, they're confused about it. They're confused about morality. They're confused about equality. They're confused about basic human rights. They're confused about family, marriage, gender. And the list goes on and on. The church is called to be separate, but yet we are called to engage the world. Or to be God the examples for the people to follow. But my question for us today is, are we those examples? Are we serving as salt and light? Is our life worthy of being emulated by the people in the world? As they look at us, can I, can I actually say, Live like me. The Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow the example of Christ. I mean, he has the audacity to say that as he was writing his letter. Can we actually say those words just like the Apostle Paul? Follow me as I follow the example of Christ. 
Parang tahimik yata tayo. And that's fine. It's a good reminder for us. What distinguishes us from the world? I mean, as husbands or fathers, how do we lead our families? You don't have to answer that. How do, we lo- how do we love our wives? Do we love our wives as Christ loved the church? That He was willing to give His life for His bride? Are we willing to die daily? Everybody say daily. Are we willing to die daily so that we can serve one another, husband and wife? Are we trying to raise godly kids? Are we doing business with integrity and with uprightness? Do we cheat in our business dealings? Do we lie? Do we do things that are immoral and unethical and so on and so forth? You know, when, when people in your office would say things, do they feel uncomfortable because you are around? Or are you the first ones laughing at the jokes that are kind of green? Or do they say, oops, and dito si brother so-and-so. Or dito si, sometimes they call you pastor. Pastor bo. Because sometimes you kind of wreck their agenda just by the mere presence. And I hope that we are not secret agent Christians in our offices or in our schools or even in our own home. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 talks about you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellences of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are not secret agent Christians. We are the light of the world, a city set on a hill. No one would light a light and hide it under a basket. Guess what? The church, when we light, when we have like LED lamps or whatever, you got to put it on top of things so that you can light the surrounding. And God wants us to shine bright like a diamond. Shine bright like a diamond. Second thing is, as a church, we need to do good. Everybody say good. Do good to impact the world that we live in. And so we find that in verse 17. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. And plead the widow's case. My question for us today is, is it enough for the church to just pray? For the oppressed and the poor and the marginalized and those who are needy. Praying is powerful. How many of you know that? I believe in prayer. Prayer moves and prayer causes miracles. But I believe that also the church is not just asked by God to pray. We are to do good. Everybody say do good. Not just think good. Not just feel good. Sometimes, pagka feel good tayo, ay, sarap. Sa pag-worship, grabe. How many of you feel good after worship? I do. Nothing wrong with that. And God wants us to feel good after worship. But I believe God, as, as a church, God's calling us to not just think good, wish good, 
feel good, but what? Do good. To do good. You know, we're followers of Jesus not just because we're studying the scriptures. We're followers of Jesus because we're doing what he was doing when he was walking here on earth. Did you know that? Yes, there's an importance. It's important for us to study the scriptures together. Important for us to meditate on the scripture. But do not be merely hearers of the word of God. Be doers of the word. We're to do good. And you may actually finish, have finished one-to-one. You've probably finished Victory Weekend. And shout out to those who finished uh, Victory Weekend last weekend. 101 uh, participants in Victory Weekend, uh, you know. Can we just give them a hand? You know, several people got water baptized, some from their homes, some from their, uh, some from uh, EN, uh, BGC, EN building. But that is just the start of your journey with God. If you've gone through those classes, that's great. And we'd love for you to have the discipleship journey. If you're a leader and you're going through Leadership 113, that's great. But don't stop there. Don't just learn good. Do good. Do good. Everybody say, do good. It's very basic. Being salt and light really is about doing good. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, and we see this, um, how, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good. He did good. He was not just talking good. He was not just preaching good or teaching good. He was doing good and healing all those who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And guess what? God is with us, the church. Amen. God is with you. Look at the person beside you. God is with you with your mask on. God is with you. You know, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, God is with us. For those of you watching at home, God is with you. And the Spirit of God will anoint us to do good. Period. As followers of Jesus were to do what he did. And he said, greater things we will do. We see this in John chapter 14 verse 12. Verily, uh, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. And they will do even what? Greater things. Everybody say greater things. Greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And where is Jesus now? He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And we are called to do greater things than him. Jesus went around in the villages, healed the sick, helped the poor, multiplied the bread by via miracle. I believe that God's calling us to multiply the bread through the miracle of your resources. Amen. We're to help the poor, help the marginalized. Jesus is calling us to be salt and light. My question for us today is, can our light be seen by the people around us? You know, I heard of this story of a Jewish rabbi in Israel. And he's the rabbi of an Orthodox church. And right beside him was a a Christian evangelical church in the community, serving the community. And so the Jewish rabbi talked to the pastor one time and said, you know what? I want to hate you. And I wish you were gone, but I can't. And then the pastor asked the Jewish rabbi, why? And the Jewish rabbi said, because I see all the good that you do 
to our community through your soup kitchen, through your visiting the sick, through your helping the poor, through your you know uh, program for those who have been drug addicts and so on and so forth. And because of this, I cannot hate you. Because that pastor in that church has been an effective salt and light in that community, even those who are against the religion cannot wish them out because they are always doing a good thing. My question for us today is, can you imagine this? What if we're out of Festival Mall? Will Festival Mall or will the community say, Oh, I miss those people who used to be here because they have been good people. They have been so kind. They have been generous. They have been, you know, they have actually helped us in our time of, you know, when we were down, helped us in our business. Or will they say, Buti na lang, wala na sila. I don't miss them at all. Which one will it be? And I hope it will be the first. That they will notice that we're not there. Seek justice. You know, it's another thing here that we can find. Do good. Seek justice. And, you know, there's just so many injustices in our society nowadays. How many of you can agree with me on that? So much injustice. And I believe that the church should not just stand on the sidelines and not be heard. I'm not talking about you going out, you know, doing a picket line. And say, ah, maki, baka. You know, you know. But the word seek is not passive. When the Bible says seek justice, it's never passive. No bystanders allowed and no indifference tolerated. We cannot be apathetic, amen, with the injustice happening. And what are we to do? You know, we're not lawyers. We can pray definitely. That's one effective way to do it, but yet I believe we can be involved. And so we're going to be talking about this more in the following weeks. God is a God of justice. In fact, in the book of Psalm chapter 97, it says, you know, justice and righteousness are the foundation of God's throne. God is a just God. Amen. But He's also a merciful God. And our goal and our prayer ought to be that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. We're declaring that God's throne in heaven will be the same here on earth. Another thing about this verse is we are to defend the weak. Minister to the oppressed, take care of orphans and widows, so on and so forth. And Isaiah is calling, you know, those who have been oppressed, those who are in need. Calling the people to help those who are mar- marginalized and those who are oppressed. In Exodus chapter 22, it says, Uh, In verse 21, you shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him, any voyager or those who are foreigners. For you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. Deuteronomy 24, 17 says, you shall not pervert the justice due to the sojourner or to the fatherless or take a widow's garment in pledge. In other words, be kind to the orphans, the widows, to the poor. Because they're vulnerable, they're helpless, they're in need. You know, as a church, we're so grateful for the opportunity that we were able to minister and actually help some of, uh, you know, those who are needy in our community. And, you know, my father's house 
now called Kids with Purpose, is an orphanage. And we have, for many years, continued to support uh, that orphanage. And I want to thank some of you. You know, some of you actually have opted to celebrate even your birthdays just to be with them and, you know, give them food or whatever. And so God bless you guys. John Wesley was so passionate about this. And he talked about, and I want to quote him. Uh, Don't worry, I'm about to land already. John Wesley writes, You bind your own hands. You make it impossible for you to do that good which otherwise you might so that you injure the poor in the same proportion as you poison your own soul. You might have clothed the naked, but what was due to them was thrown away on your own costly apparel. You might have fed the hungry, but the superfluities of your own table swallowed up that whereby they should have been profited. And so this wasting of thy Lord's goods is an instance of complicated wickedness since hereby thy poor brother perisheth for whom Christ died. You know, John Wesley was the founder of uh, Methodist movement. And he was so passionate about social justice and helping the poor in England. In fact, one of his famous quotes is this, I set myself on fire and people come to watch me burn. I mean, how many of you can quote that? He was so passionate for the purpose of God. And number three, as we come to a close, God brings us back to fellowship when we pray. I'd like to call the music team to join me here on stage. And in verse 18, it says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. And verse 19 says, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Another translation, you shall eat the best of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall eat, you shall be eaten by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Wow. And these, is some, these are some serious warnings to us. But yet there is a redemptive promise as well in the first part. You know, God is always inviting us to fellowship with Him. Amen. And the, ver- the first line he was talking about in verse 19, Come, let us reason together. He's talking about, come, let's sit down. Let's fellowship. Let's dialogue. What's bothering you? God's always reaching out to us. God has a quest to bring His good to all the world and yet He is calling the church to be part of His mission, to advance in the world that we live in today. Yet sometimes the people of God fail in fulfilling that mission. How many of you know that God is always reaching out to us so that we can come back to Him and reminds us, don't just be useless, be salt and light. And what's amazing is God's approach to the failures of His people. It's always inviting, never shaming. Come, let us reason together. It's transformative, never vindictive. And what he's promising is, though your sins are like scarlet, they will be white as snow. And how many of you are grateful to the fact that 
It's not about what we do that cleanses our sins. It's about the complete work of Christ on the cross that cleanses us. And the next thing about this verse is we are blessed to be a blessing. And He wants to remove the curse of lack in our lives. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. You know, God's model is not to punish others so that others can prosper. God wants to restore the church. He wants to reach out to the world. And ultimately, the plan of God is to restore His creation the way it was supposed to be back in Genesis chapter 1. That is the grand narrative, guys. And that's going to be our journey. It's going to be an interesting journey as we study the book of Isaiah on how God, with His heart of compassion, first for His own people, not wanting any of us to perish, but always reaching out to each and every one of us so that we can fulfill His call for us as salt and light. My main point I want to share before we pray is as salt and light, we can make this world a better place. I'm not quoting from Michael Jackson, okay? Because you and I are salt and light. God's going to use us to transform the world that we're in. Let's just bow our heads right now as we come to a close. We're going to worship the Lord in a bit. But I just want to pray for us. Lord, I pray God that the church would turn away from any form of indifference or apathy. First of all, we humble ourselves before you, God. Lord, we repent. We repent, God, of being too inward-focused, too myopic in our ways. We've always been too concerned about what we need and what we want. And there's a dying world out there that needs us to be agents of change, to be beacons and instruments of hope. But I thank you that you will use each and every one of us from here on to be salt and light and however it is applied wherever we are whether we're a teacher maybe a, an accountant maybe a, a, a person who works in the call center maybe a CEO maybe a, a, a lawyer or, or maybe a mom or maybe a student Lord in whatever area we're in I pray God that you would give us wisdom on how this can be applied to us and I thank you, God, that you will continue to just uphold your church today. Lord, indeed, you're inviting us back to you. Thank you, Lord God, that you will remove any form of apathy from us. Use us as salt and light. And Lord, as we do this, may we always shine and reflect your glory so that the men will know, the world will know that we are your followers that they may glorify our Heavenly Father in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's all stand up right now. And just... Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. 
For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victoryalamang.church.